First Peter chapter five. Let's have. Yeah, some of you shouldn't do that math. <laughs> You'll be with Jesus. <laughs> anyway, I shouldn't have gone there. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the joy of serving you. Thank you for the joy of loving you and loving your people and all of us together. Lord, First John, that, that one, that great picture of... Uh, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And I believe that means primarily we have fellowship with you and you with us. But secondarily, we have fellowship with the other people who are having fellowship with you. It's a wonderful thing. And I pray, Lord, tonight that you'd strengthen us and make us stronger, better, more like Christ. And bless every heart here tonight, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Peter's talking in this passage these four verses that we read he's talking to church leaders people who influence other people in the local church he said elder the elders which are among you elder is a general term for church leader and by the way that's part of the structure of Baptist faith. You say, what, what's the difference between Baptist and everybody else? A Baptist doctrine believes that there's two offices, only two offices in the local church according to the Bible, the pastor and the deacon. Elder is a general term, and I could prove that very easily if we had the time. And uh, by the way, that, and then there's, no, there's, no, there's no positions or titles over the church. Yes, there are missionaries, there are evangelists, and uh, I don't believe that there are apostles today. I believe that the Bible defines apostle as one who was personally called by Jesus Christ, and secondly, one who saw the risen Savior. And so there are no apostles today based on that de- definition. And uh, evangelist is not an officer that's over the church. Uh, evangelist is someone that God has given to be a blessing to the church. But nobody but God has authority over the local church, and that's a very important Baptist distinctive, and it varies uh, largely from a lot of uh, what are called Protestant, and I don't want to get into Protestant and Baptist and so forth, but let me just say, if you've never heard it before, Baptists are not Protestants. Protestants came out of the Catholic Church. Baptists were thriving and surviving all the way through the literal reign of the Catholic Church in the in the Dark Ages. There were Baptists, but but with with Luther and uh, Zwingli and Calvin, the the Protestants came out of the Catholic Church. They used to be Catholics, and then they weren't. Baptists never were in the in the. We were being we were being executed, martyred by the Catholic Church. And that's all very easy to prove, very well documented in in uh, all kinds of places. So, but I'm just saying, uh, Baptist doctrine is, is unique, and, and some of its uniqueness is in that belief right there, that there's only two offices in all of Christ's church. There's the office of pastor, and there's the office of deacon. But that's not the me- message tonight. You don't have to have a title to be a leader in God's church. And by the way, anywhere else, but we're talking about church tonight. And having a title doesn't make you. A leader. True spiritual leaders are a vital and precious commodity in the Lord's work. 
Without true spiritual leaders, a church cannot thrive. It cannot grow. With true spiritual leaders, a church can continually impact more and more people. And I I guess my prayer right now would be that you would search your heart and ask the Lord to show you if you are a true spiritual leaders, uh, a leader. Are you a true spiritual leader? And here's maybe one test, and that I don't have a test prepared here, but if you want to know if you are, maybe the best question you can ask yourself is, do I honestly and truly lead people closer to Christ? I tell you, one of the biggest damages, and this is all through the New Testament, one of the biggest damages to the local church is someone who fancies themselves a true spiritual leader, but they are not. Somebody, uh, a college student, called me, I don't know, months ago. He said, I'm working on an assignment for my class. My assignment is to call pastors and ask them, what are some of the great people problems that you've had in the course of your ministry? And he said, could you tell me one? And I'll just be, I'll be totally frank. Here's what I told him. I said, yeah. I said, maybe the biggest people problem and the most heartbreaking people problem is when I have led someone to Christ, I have gotten them into church, I have helped them grow, I've invested in their lives, I've invested in their family, and then here comes somebody who fancies himself a spiritual Christian, and he just decides that it's his job to take this person under his wing. He never met him before he walked through that door. He, to take him under his wing, take him out to eat, take him over the house, and tell him just, let me, tell, let me really tell you about the pastor. He just met him, he just met me, but he's going to tell him really about the pastor because he has a problem with authority, period. And then to watch that person and his family get at it and actually turn against me. You say, that has happened, praise the Lord, not lately, but yes, it's happened way more than I like to remember. And uh, not only does it break your heart, it makes you want to hurt somebody, but you can't do that. So I'm not talking about somebody who fancies themselves a spiritual leader. I'm talking about somebody who is a true spiritual leader. If you're, a, if you're a true spiritual leader, you're not going to pull people away from church. You're, well, if the church has problems, walk out the same door you walked in. And go find one that doesn't have problems. And when you find it, let me know where it is. But don't walk into somebody. A fellow told me one time. He said he left our church, moved a couple hours away, went to church. And I knew he was making a mistake. I, in fact, he was being set up. We were being set up. But, you know, when people make their choices, you take your hands off and let them go. Not long after that, he calls me and says, you know something? I got here and found out that it's a disaster here. He said, but I feel like God brought me here to clean up the mess. I said, can I, you know, you're calling for my advice. Get out of there as fast as you can and keep your mouth shut while you do. I said it kindly. He happened to call another pastor. He called Brian Miller. <laughs> you don't want to call Brian Miller and ask his opinion if you don't want it. Because Brian Miller called me and said, uh, no, saw me face to face. He said, so-and-so, he's from your church. I said, yep. He goes, I said, what'd you tell him? He said, I told him, you're an idiot. You're wicked. Get right with God. Get out of there. I said, wow, I thought I was mean. 
true, don't you want to be a true spiritual leader? Not pulling people out of church, not pulling people away from Christ, pulling people closer, leading people closer to Jesus Christ. A true spiritual leader. Without true spiritual leaders, the church cannot thrive, it cannot grow. With true spiritual leaders, a church can continually impact more and more people. It's my desire that this, everyone in this room be, and many of you already are, and if you're not, become, and I'm not the judge of who is and who is not. It's just my desire for everyone in this room to be a true spiritual leader. The church that learns how to build true spiritual leaders will have a great impact for God. Every growing believer ought to hunger to be a true spiritual leader. Why? Because the greatest opportunity in the world is the opportunity to influence someone for Jesus Christ. I hope you believe that. If you don't believe it, I hope you'll ponder it until you let God convince you that it's true. Now, Peter gives three basic responsibilities of a true uh, spiritual leader. First of all, verse 2, feed the flock of God which is among you. So the first responsibility, number one, feed. Feed. And how do you feed? Well, here's the, here's the menu right here. And if you're going to feed someone else spiritual food, you've got to be ingesting spiritual food. Man, I, I would urge you to go back, and uh, Brother Jenkins this week taught the very same thing that he preached. He preached it here in one sermon, and at his, in, at his camp meeting, he taught it in two different sessions. But one of the, the great emphasis of that, you should go back on our podcast and, and uh, listen to his message here, that the greatest leadership tool that you have is a healthy soul. And the mistake that Christian leaders, I'm talking about Sunday school teachers, I'm talking about bus workers, I'm talking about anybody who tries to impact and influence other people for Jesus Christ. The mistake we make is we get into the work of the ministry and then we ourselves stray from the Lord, but we keep on trying to make it work. And you can't feed others when you're not personally being fed. So important that you're in the Bible, that you're gleaning truth, that you are picking and, and storing and writing down. I'll tell you something. I, I don't know. Probably it's the third time I've shared it today, but that's all right. It, it, was a, it, it blessed my heart, even though it was about me. It blessed my heart. It's not bragging coming, I promise you. It's praise the Lord. The other night, we were at my parents for Amy's birthday, and Dad brought out a little notebook, three-by-five spiral notebook, from when I was 10 years old. And uh, I use it. I sat in church to take notes during the preacher. I've been taking notes at least since I was 10 years old. That little notebook proves it. Now, I'm not, I didn't run home, you know, and instantly apply all those things that I learned in church. If I had, I'd probably be a better, better person here. But something about the picking, the writing, To take notes, you've got to pay attention, first of all. And just the paying attention when I was 10 years old and gleaning and trying to get good things. And I've done it ever since. Praise the Lord that it's a habit that I started 41 years ago. 
But if you're not picking, you're not going to have anything to feed. Is that, that driving you nuts? You're okay? All right. If the birthday girl says it's okay, it's okay. Second thing he says to do is watch. Look at verse, the next phrase in verse 2. Taking the oversight thereof. Watch. So you're supposed to feed the people that you're influencing, and you're supposed to watch. Keep an eye on them. But now be careful, not in a controlling way. He said not by constraint, but willingly. Don't ever try to control people's lives. And also, don't be self-serving in your watch, not for filthy lucre. Now, that's talking about money, but you can apply that to any kind of gain. In other words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to influence these people, and they're going to make me look good. They're going to build my reputation. They're, they're going to they're gonna be my fruit. And I would hate to see what my fruit looks like. I want everybody that follows me to be his fruit. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, that you are ready to serve them. So, feed, watch, and the third thing you're supposed to do is lead. And that's in verse number 3. It says, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples, and our more modern word is examples, to the flock. And that's what I want us to focus on for just a few minutes before we, we're going to have prayer tonight. We're going to pray for our returning college students. But I want to show you, and uh, dare I tell you how many contrasts I have here? Uh, don't get scared. I have 12. Oh, 12. But we'll make it work, all right? Contrast between what it means to be a Lord over God's heritage and an example to see that I said the number 12, Kathleen said, I can't even take it. And she walked out the door. I'm just joking. Um, Peter gives us a better understanding of what it means to truly lead by showing us a contrast, the difference between being a Lord and being an example. And you say, well, Pastor, Jesus is the, the Lord. Yeah, but what I'm going to show you right now, in every one of these 12 points, I'm going to give you an example from the life of Jesus. Jesus is the Lord, but he did not lead as a Lord when he was on this earth. Never one time did you see Jesus say, hey, I am the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you follow me. Not once. He could have. But anytime people even recognized that he was a son of God, he said, all right, now keep that to yourself, all right? Because God showed that to you and everybody else needs God to show it to them. They don't need you telling them. So Jesus never once said, I'm the Lord, you follow me. No, he led just as Peter said. What do you think Peter learned it? He led by example. Let me show you 12 differences. We're going to fly. 12 differences between a Lord and an example. Number one, a Lord requires people to follow. An example inspires people to follow. How did Jesus sign up his disciples? Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. He wasn't yelling at them. He wasn't putting them in a guilt trip. He was inspired. Hey, you're, you're an expert fisherman. Probably not even 20 years old, these guys out there fishing, bringing in the fish. If you follow me, I'll show you how to catch men. He inspired them. By the way, Peter didn't follow the first time he heard that. But he was out one day, and he was in his boat, and 
Jesus said, hey, Peter, I, there was a bunch of people on the shore. Peter, Jesus said, can I borrow your boat for a little bit? <laughs> so whatever you want. Jesus got in a boat. And uh, I, when I was in college, I had an unsaved sound man. I was returning some PA equipment after youth conference. The big PA equipment was rented out there in the fireworks show. And my job was to bring it back to the, the uh, music store down the street. So I brought it back. And here comes this hippie dude. He goes, oh, you're from that college down there. I said, yeah. He goes, let me tell you something. Jesus was the greatest sound man ever. <laughs> I just waited for the answer. He said when he got in that boat and he pushed out off, off of the shore there in Galilee, and he was still talking like a hippie, but I, I don't have any more of that in me. And uh, he, he, said, he said that was the best echo chamber you could get. Nothing could carry his voice like the water. Brilliant. Awesome. So Jesus teaches from the boat. And then what does he do? He says launch out into the deep. And the, and the disciples go out there. And they couldn't catch anything. And what does Jesus say? Hey, try throwing that net on the other side. And when they tried to pull the net in, it broke. And Peter said, you know what? I'm coming with you. Jesus didn't guilt them into following. He didn't lord over them. He inspired them to follow. A lord is focused on his position. An example is focused on his responsibility. Listen to this from Mark chapter 1. In the morning, rising up a great while before day, Jesus went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. So in other words, Peter and the disciples are saying, Hey, this is great. We got everybody. You're the man, Jesus. Come on back into town and let's have another great day. Jesus said unto them, let's go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. I didn't come to be Mr. Big big Time. I came to do a job. A Lord is focused on his position. An example is focused on his responsibility. Another contrast. A Lord is concerned about his followers treat him. I think I said that wrong. A Lord is concerned about how his followers treat him. An example is concerned about how he treats his followers. Now, don't forget, I didn't come up with this contrast. It's right there in 1 Peter chapter 5. The difference between a Lord and an example. And Jesus is the ultimate to show us how to lead by example, even though he... God made him a Lord, wherefore God hath highly exalted him. And Peter even goes on to say in 1 Peter 5, in due time he shall exalt you. But Jesus didn't go around calling himself Lord. A Lord is concerned about how his followers treat him, but an example is concerned about how he treats his followers. You think about everything that Jesus suffered during his crucifixion, the abandonment of all of his followers. Wouldn't you think the first time he saw them in that upper room? I mean, I know what I would have done. John, you loved me so much, didn't you? Yeah. Peter, <laughs> though all men forsake me. I, yeah, uh-huh. I heard that rooster crow. I heard you deny me. Jesus didn't do any of that. In fact, not only did Jesus not shame the disciples for having all for says they all forsook him and fled but 
Have you ever noticed how Jesus, even as he was suffering, he was leading Peter? So that even after his resurrection, he just picked, it's a few days later, it's just days later, he picked up where he left off with Peter. Because he knew Peter was in a, in a tight place. He said, Peter, let me coach you to victory. And boy, did he ever coach him to victory. A Lord's concerned about how his followers treat him, but an example is concerned about how he treats his followers. Now, I wish I had time to make practical application, but I hope you can do that. I hope you can make practical application and say, am I more concerned about how people treat me or how I treat them? If you're concerned about how you treat people, you're not going to come to church and get your feelings hurt. You know, my wife and I, after any given service, we don't, we don't sit down and talk about how people treated us. Now, you can believe that or not. It's up to you. We talk about how people are doing. We talk about, you know, so-and-so, they never miss. I hope they, did they tell you they weren't coming? Well, we better get a hold of them and make sure they're okay. Uh, a leader, I'm sorry, a lord, a lord is worried about how they treat him. An example is concerned about how he treats others. Fourth difference A Lord demands that others follow him. An example demands of himself that he follow principles that are greater than himself. Even Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Matthew 3, 15. This is Jesus going to be baptized. And what did John the Baptist say? I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. What was John saying? He was saying, you need to act like the Lord. Jesus said, suffer it now to be so, for thus it becometh us to what? Fulfill all righteousness. He said, John, there's principles that are greater than me. And we need to be baptized so we can fulfill those principles. A Lord is all he cares about is who's... By the way, if we had time, we could contrast Jesus with King Saul. Because King Saul is one of the worst examples of a leader in the Bible. He broke every one of these things. King Saul demanded to be followed, but Jesus did not. Jesus insisted on following principles that were greater than himself. Number five, a Lord makes everything about himself. An example makes everything about others. John 10.10, I am come that I might be Mr. Big Time. Nope. I am come that I might be the center of attention. I am come that everyone may worship me. Nope. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly, that they being his sheep, including us. Number six, a Lord seeks attention from others. An example seeks to give attention to others. Let this soak in. This is from the maniac of Gadara, Mark chapter 5, when he was coming to the ship. Now he's leaving Gadara to come back over to the other side. He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Now, if Jesus was all about himself and getting attention, he would have taken that guy and made him his trophy. Hey, look what I did for this guy. Yeah. He would have, he would have taken him around and used him to, you know, raise money for it. Anyway, um, but he didn't do that. 
He said, I want to go with you. But how be it, Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. By the way, he's not talking about himself there. He's talking about the Father. And hath had compassion on thee. What is he saying? He's Number one, he's making it about this man. In case you doubt that, try to picture what it's going to be like when this man goes home. Have you ever pictured what it's like when this guy goes back to his, if he was married, he goes home to his wife. If he have kids, he goes home to his kids. If he wasn't, he goes home to his parents. He goes home to his brothers and sisters. And they can't believe what they see. Once they trust him a little bit, what are they going to do? They're going to hug him and kiss him and welcome him and have a big feast because they're so excited that he's home. Where's the attention going to be? It's going to be on him. It's going to build his confidence and his ability to live like a human being again because he's been living in the cemetery. Jesus is helping to make this man adjust to human life again. So he says, no, go on home. Your family, they'll, they'll bring you in. They'll welcome you. They'll love you. And when they do, tell them how awesome your God is. Lord, a Lord seeks attention from others, but an example seeks to give attention to others. Number seven, a Lord defies authority. An example submits to authority. Listen to John 5, 30. I just can't even believe that Jesus said this. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, meaning as I hear from God, I judge. And my judgment is just. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. A Lord defies authority. I'm the man. You go to, it's either 2nd or 3rd John, where John talks about the guy in the church that he's writing to that intercepts all of John's letters and won't let the people have it because it says that he seeks to control. That's not the Bible word, but, but uh, the Bible word is escaping me. Uh, preeminence, I believe, is the word. He wants to be preeminent among you. He wants to be the man. A Lord defies authority, but an example submits to authority. And Jesus said, I don't do anything of my own will. I just follow the will of the Father. Number eight, a Lord manipulates people. An example serves people. And I mentioned King Saul. King Saul is one of the great manipulators in the Bible. King Saul gave his daughter to David in marriage for the sole purpose that it would get David killed. That's a manipulator. You're, you're risking the life of your own daughter, her future, her dreams, so that you can get revenge on your enemy. King Saul accused his men of being for David. He had a big old pity party. You're all for David. Just admit it. You're all, he accused his own son. Just admit it. You're, you're for him. Manipulator. Mind games. A Lord manipulates people. But an example serves people. We don't have the time, but we could, of course, go to John chapter 13. And on the night when he would be arrested and thrown into jail... Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. Number nine, a Lord blames his followers for failure. An example takes responsibility 
for failure. Now, you want to have a hard time finding an example of this one. When did Jesus fail? Well, let me share with you a quick scenario. Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. And down below, the nine disciples that were not invited to go up there, a guy comes to them and asks them to cast the demon out of his son. And they couldn't do it. So Jesus and Peter and James and John come off of the Mount of Transfiguration. And the man says, uh, Yeah, I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't do anything. Can you do anything? Now, a Lord would have said, I don't know. I wasn't here. What's wrong with you guys? Don't blame me. It's these idiots. Jesus didn't do that. He took responsibility. He said, all right, let's fix the problem. He cast the demons out. He sent the man and his son on his way. And then he turned to the disciples and said, let me tell you how to get this right next time. This kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. You've got you to do more praying, and you definitely got to do more fasting if you want to get a demon this strong out of a young man. He took responsibility for their failure. Number 10, a Lord takes credit for success. An example gives his followers credit for success. You know, success, you know, one of the most ironic things in the Bible is that we're going to receive rewards for serving the Lord. Second Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. The judgment seat of Christ is a reward ceremony for our service. And the Bible tells us about a number of crowns we can receive. There's a crown of righteousness. There's a crown of rejoicing. There's, I believe I could take you to five different crowns in the New Testament. It tells us in Daniel chapter 12 that they that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the firmament forever and ever. We're going to be rewarded for what he only can do. You're going to get rewarded for somebody's life being changed through you, but you can't change a life. Only he can. But you're going to share in the rewards. I'm going to share in the rewards. Because a Lord takes credit for success, but an example gives his followers credit for success. Number 11. Oh, I hope you're getting this. I hope you're looking at your own life and saying, which one am I? Am I the one that, that when things go good, I take the credit? When things go bad, I pass the blame? Or do I pro- promote the people that follow me and say, boy, they did a good job? Number 11, a Lord defines success by his own progress. An example defines success by the progress of others. Jesus defines success by the progress of others. John 17, Jesus is coming to the Father after his ministry on earth is done. He's about to cross over the brook into Gethsemane and his passion is about to begin. His ministry is over. And he's talking to his father. And listen to how he summarizes the success of his ministry. John 17, verse 6. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou hast given me out of the world. He's talking to the father. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. And they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed 
that thou didst send me. He's talking to the, the, the Heavenly Father about the success of his own ministry, and he's measuring it in the terms of his disciples' success. And that leads me to number 12, the last point. I told you we could do it. John 17, verse 12. Well, let's read the point first. A Lord sees those who follow him as trophies. An example sees those who follow him as those who have been entrusted to his care. I wish I could spend an hour just on that 12th point. Those who have been entrusted to his care. I remember when I went to Bible college hearing Dr. Evans, and I heard him say it many times. Dr. Evans was the president of the college at that time. And he said, you know, when I pray for our students, I I pray, Lord, please help us not to mess them up. What was he saying? He was saying, God has entrusted these young people to our care. We better get it right. Instead of, hey, look at my trophies. And by the way, people that I've heard say that, a lot of those people aren't even your trophies. You didn't have a thing in the world to do with it. You were just fortunate enough to step into a position were of spiritual authority in their life, but you didn't reach them. You better humbly seek the Lord to help you to be a good steward of your influence. A Lord seeks those who follow him as, uh, sees those who follow him as trophies. An example sees those who follow him as those who have been entrusted to his care. Once more, Jesus in John 17. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those, he's talking to the Father, Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. Jesus is telling his father, I've been a good steward. Father, I've been a good steward of the people that you entrusted me. He said, those thou gavest me, I've kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, talking about Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Peter said, if you're going to lead... You need to, if you're going to be a true spiritual leader, you need to feed people. You need to watch. You see them going astray, use your spiritual influence to say, man, I'm, I'm worried about some of the things you're doing. And thirdly, you need to be an example, not a Lord. And what we focused on tonight is the contrast through looking at the right way to lead through Jesus Christ, being an example and not setting yourself up as a Lord in somebody's life. I hope it was a help and a blessing to you. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight.